0: Philippians chapter four, ten to twenty-three. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the Gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that i have received from epaphroditus the gifts you sent they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to god and my god will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in jesus christ to our god and father be glory for ever and ever amen great greet all god's people in christ jesus The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
1: Good morning. I'm Colin. Thanks for joining us. have my welcome to Daniel's. Well, what's gonna be your COVID story? I mean, assuming this ever ends, a few years from now, what's the story you're gonna tell about this time? I think there'll be tales told of epic quests for toilet paper and sand sanitizer, accounts of working from home, tales told of people at home finding out what you're like at work, legends of homeschooling, of binge watching, of jigsaw completing, and of becoming over familiar with one another's nostrils on Zoom. But what about you as a person, you as a Christian? How will you look back on this time? As a time that grew you in fear or weariness? A time that made you retreat or just put life on hold? was a time that really helped you to see what is most precious, most important. A time that you're glad happened because it helped you to grow and mature in your faith. How will you look back on it? Well this is the last of our series looking at this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. Paul's in his own kind of lockdown in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel. And in chapter 3, verse 17, Paul's told the Philippians to follow his example as he follows Jesus' example. And we're going to do more of this looking at Paul's example today as he reflects on how he feels about being in these difficult circumstances and how he thinks about the Philippians partnering with him in getting the good news about Jesus, the gospel, getting that out. wonder, have you ever sent or received a thank you letter? Uh, perhaps for a gift from a relative? Now, you get them off charities, don't you, if you give to them, a lot, usually along with a request for more money. Paul is writing this letter to say thanks for the financial support that the Philippians sent with Epaphroditus, uh, who nearly died getting it to him. But did you notice, at first glance, It looks like Paul is really rubbish at writing thank you letters. And in verse 11, he says he's not in need. And verse 17, he says, not that I desire your gifts. Look, he is actually really thankful, but he doesn't want to distract the Philippians from their focus on the gospel so I've gone with that tension in the talk outline headings, if you find that kind of thing helpful, having I mean, headings. So they are, one, thanks, I didn't need it. Two, I'm not a charity case. Three, what I really wanted. And four, we'll return back to where it all started. First then, thanks, I didn't need it. Paul's really thankful for their gift, but not for his own sake but for theirs. He's rejoicing that they are concerned for him, but verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. On one level, he really did need their financial support to get fed and survive in prison. And he's grateful for their gift, but he doesn't need it to be content. He didn't need it to feel that everything is okay. So he always sent a stage in Paul's mind is Jesus and the life he already has in him. Remember, Paul's likely facing execution after this, stay in prison but he's able to say in chapter 121 to live is Christ to die is gain and here in chapter 4 Paul paints three contrasting sets of circumstances he has had personal experience of in verse 12 in need or in plenty well fed or hungry living in plenty living in want Paul's seen it all He's been beaten nearly to death by angry mobs, and he's been welcomed and tearfully farewelled like a beloved son. He's done ministry making tents to make ends meet, and he's done ministry staying in wealthy people's mansions. But he's able to say, verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret of his contentment is remembering what he already has in Jesus, in the strength Jesus gives him. And we can be content in any and every situation by remembering what we already have in Jesus and by having Jesus' mindset of giving ourselves up for the sake of others, for God's glory. Because really, What is the worst that can happen? Now, I'm not denying that we go through some very painful and heartbreaking experiences in life. And there are circumstances in life that can just be a real grind every day. But none of that is gonna take away the blessings we have in Jesus. Thanks to Jesus, we're in right relationship with God counted as one of his children, part of the family. Thanks to Jesus, God will keep transforming us by his spirit to be more and more like him until he returns. Thanks to Jesus, when he does return, we will be made perfect, free from sin, free from pain and tears, free to live forever in direct contact with God in all his glory in a place where evil and boredom don't exist, where there is only plenty, never any want. Notice Paul says he's learned this secret. He didn't get beaten up and shipwrecked and automatically think, oh, this is great. You've seen The Wizard of Oz, haven't you? Or maybe read the book. Dorothy is bored with the Kansas family life. But at the end of her adventures in the magical land of Oz, what does she do? She taps her ruby slippers together and says, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And the moral of the story? Everything she was looking for, love, security, meaning, purpose, she already had. Everything we really need, we already have in Jesus. Paul learned this secret, but notice he isn't drawing on his own resources to think this way. Now we think this way through Jesus giving us his strength through his spirit living in us. So when you come across difficult, heartbreaking circumstances... Ask Jesus for his help to take your mind along the rails that his mind goes on along Jesus' laser focus that all that really matters is that God is glorified. Jesus was so concerned with that it's so concerned that we get to glorify God that he chose to step out of the perfect circumstances of heaven down to the darkest circumstances of the cross. Our tendency without Jesus is not to be happy with what we've got, but rather to be unhappy about what we haven't got. But with Jesus, we can be so content with what we have in him that we're never too bothered about what we don't have. And that's the attitude the Philippians had. That's why their giving to Paul was not a charity case. Our next heading not a charity case. I wonder, how are you at saving pandas? Or finding a cure for cancer? Well, I'm not great at either of those things either. Uh, but when we give to charity for things like that, it's kind of a passive caring by proxy thing, isn't it? You know, you give someone money on the understanding that they will go away and worry about it so that you don't have to. But giving to gospel work is a different kettle of fish altogether. So remember in chapter 1, Paul described the Philippians as partners. So chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In chapter 1, verse 27, he talked about them striving together as one. And now here in chapter 4, he picks up that theme again. Look at how he describes them sending a gift in chapter 4, verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Not just giving, sharing in his troubles. And then verse 15 and 16, he reminisces about how the the Philippines were part and parcel of his church planting in that region. He says to them, you know, remember that that mess in Thessalonica. You can read about that in Acts 17. Sorry you are partners with me in all that drama. Their giving to gospel work is not like passively giving to a charity. It's much more akin to being an investor or a partner in a business, someone with skin in the game. And their motivation is the gospel itself. See, the Philippians know that they are safe in Christ, sharing in his grace. They know that the real worst case scenario, they know that the real worst circumstances to be in is not knowing Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. They know that without Jesus, we have to stand before God and receive our just deserts. For the way we've treated him and the way we've treated other people. Do you ever get those customer service emails asking you to give feedback? You know, how did we do? Please rate your experience with us. And usually I just delete them. But if it says, please give us your feedback for a chance to win $10,000 or a car, then I'm much more likely to fill it in. But true gospel partnership, giving and serving, is more like being so impressed with the customer service that you received that you go out of your way to handwrite a glowing letter, buy a stamp, and and post your unsolicited letter of praise and gratitude. See, the Philippians' help for Paul isn't begrudgingly out of a sense of duty or to make them feel good about themselves, or to win brownie points with God. It's out of gratitude and for the purpose of as many people as possible, knowing the peace and joy with God that they themselves know. So is that how you see your financial partnership with church and and other gospel ministries? Is that how you see your serving at church It's worth thinking about, isn't it? As we come out of restrictions, we will eventually start gathering together again. And that takes a whole lot of serving to make happen. But that serving isn't just about getting a job done. It is partnering in the gospel. It's helping one another to abound in love, to grow in knowledge and depth of insight, helping each other to discern what is best. And we pray that it is helping people come to put their trust in Jesus for the very first time. You're giving, you're serving. It's not a charity case. It's partnering in, being a co-investor in the most important work in the world. Paul rejoices because he says he's got our next heading, What I Really Wanted. What I Really Wanted. Paul is really thankful, chuffed to bits, that the Philippians have partnered with him in this way. But he's not thankful just because his practical needs have been met. He's thankful because what he really wanted was for them to keep growing in their faith and please God. And their gift to him is a sign of exactly that going on. Verse 17. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul's using the language of finance here. He's thankful for their return on their investment. Just as they shared in his troubles, now they're sharing in the profits. He also, verse 18, compares their gift to a sacrificial thank offering that they were used to in the temple. that gave a, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, this is not the idea of the Philippians giving to earn enough brownie points to get God to accept them. And there's not here a sniff of the stinking stench of the false prosperity gospel that says, if only you give enough money, God will return that to you by improving your material wealth and circumstance here and now. Now, this is in the context of verse 12, of being content whatever our circumstances And have a careful look at verse 19. God will provide, not our employer or the stock market. God will meet all our needs, not all our material desires. And according to his riches, the riches of his glory in a future heavenly city when Christ returns. What he is saying is their gospel investment is good for them because it pleases God. It lines up with their future glorious reality. It's a working out of them having Jesus' mindset and becoming more like Jesus. God really likes it and will reward them for it in eternity. Their investment, their returns, their pleasing sacrifice, all of it is good because it adds to what is most important. Verse 20, God's glory. His pure goodness and awesomeness and worthiness and experiencing that. So when your financial gospel partnership is hard going. When your serving is hard going. When relationships with people at church are hard going. Keep going. Because it's not just being charitable. It's got eternal significance. That phone call you made to check someone was okay and encourage them. God is really pleased with that. That season you spent serving in an area that just wasn't your thing, but you could see a need. That will be celebrated in eternity. That time you risked losing a friendship to share the gospel. That could mean someone else spending eternity glorifying God. It is credited to your account. So let's recap briefly then, before we wrap up. The secret of being content in any circumstance is to keep remembering what we already have in Jesus. Tap your heels together three times if you need to. But remember, whatever happens in Jesus, you are ultimately okay. More than okay. And see your giving and your serving not like... Passive donating to someone else's cause. But as you investing yourself in the family business with skin in the game, motivated by gratitude and wanting others to grow and others to know what it's like to be content in Jesus. And all of this we do not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ in us by his spirit. So what will your COVID story be? Will it be a time that caused you to press the pause button on your walk with Jesus? A time that taught you life is too hard to add the stress of following Jesus to it? Or will you look back on it as a time when you really grew, produced loads of gospel fruit that you never expected to be able to, and learned the secret of being content in any circumstance? So to finish, we get to the end of the letter and Paul takes us back where we started, our final section, back where we started. There are customary greetings, but then Paul continues being an example to to follow for the Philippians and for us right to the end of his letter by doing what keeps him content in every circumstance, remembering God's grace to us in Jesus. Verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The danger of a talk like this, about gospel partnership, about getting our rewards in heaven, is that I could leave you with the idea that it's all about you and what you do. And there are probably some of us watching who are thoroughly Christian. Uh, You are trusting in Jesus. You're serving him and you're partnering with others because you love him. But content isn't top of your list of self descriptors right now. Because you've got so much to worry about, so much to be sad about. The most valuable gift in all eternity is God's grace to us in Jesus. The free gift of God the Son, giving up his life so that we can have life in all its fullness. So Paul began this letter with grace. Chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He began his letter with grace and he ends his letter with grace. To remind us that all we do, all we are, Is in response to what God has done for us in Jesus. There are good ways to respond to that grace that please God, as we've seen throughout the letter. There are ways to live for Jesus and to live like Jesus. But the most precious gift to be redeemed, restored, given a fresh start, made clean, to be completely and wholly loved and safe forever with God... That's a free gift. That's yours in Jesus. So today, if you're not feeling content, if you realise you're serving and giving for the wrong reasons, if you've never put your trust in Jesus to save you before, my prayer for you is the same as Paul's, and I trust God will answer it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. Amen.